Chapter Twenty Two of Insect Adventures. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brittany Long. Insect Adventures by Jean Henry Fabre. Selections from the Alexander Teixeira de Matos's translation. Retold by Louise Seymour Hasbrook. Chapter Twenty Two: The Crab Spider. The banded spider, who works so hard to give her eggs a wonderfully perfect dwelling house, becomes, after that, careless of her family. For what reasons? She lacks the time. She has to die when the first cold comes, whereas the eggs are to pass the winter in their cozy home. She cannot help deserting the nest, but. If the hatching were earlier and took place in the spider's life, I imagine that she would be as devoted to her family as a bird is. So I gather from the behavior of a shapely spider who weaves no webs, lies in wait for her prey, and walks sideways like a crab. This spider, with the crab-like figure, does not know how to make nets for catching game. Without springs or snares, she lies hidden among the flowers and waits for the arrival of the prey, which she kills by a scientific stab in the neck. The particular species I have observed is passionately fond of the pursuit of the domestic bee. The bee appears, seeking no quarrel, intent upon plunder. She tests the flowers with her tongue. She chooses a spot that will yield a good return. Soon she is wrapped up in her harvesting. While she is filling her baskets and distending her crop, the crab spider, that bandit lurking under cover of the flowers, comes out of her hiding place, creeps around behind the bustling insect, steals up close, and, with a sudden rush, nabs her in the nape of the neck. In vain the bee protests, and darts her sting at random. The assailant does not let go. Besides, the bite in the neck is paralyzing, because the nerve centers are affected. The poor thing's legs stiffen, and all is over in a second. The murderous spider now sucks the victim's blood at her ease, and, when she is done, scornfully flings the drained corpse aside. We shall see the cruel vampire become a model of devotion where her family is concerned. The ogre loved his children. He ate the children of others. Under the tyranny of hunger, we are all of us, beast and man alike, ogres. After all, this cutter of bees' throats is a pretty, a very pretty creature in spite of her unwielding body, fashioned like a squat pyramid and embossed on the base on either side, with a pimple shaped like a camel's hump. The skin, more pleasing to the eye than any satin, is milk-white in some, in others lemon-yellow. There are fine ladies among them who adorn their legs with a number of pink bracelets and their backs with crimson patterns. A narrow, pale-green ribbon sometimes edges the right and left of the breast. The costume is not so rich as that of the banded spider, but much more elegant because of its soberness, its daintiness, 
and the artistic blending of its colors. People who shrink from touching any other spider do not fear to handle the beautiful crab spider, so gentle in appearance. The Crab Spider's Nest Skillful in the prompt dispatch of her prey, the little crab spider is no less clever in the nesting art. I find her settled on a privet in the closure. Here, in the heart of a cluster of flowers, the luxurious creature plates a little pocket of white satin, shaped like a wee thimble. It is the receptacle for the eggs. A round, flat lid of a felted fabric closes the mouth. Above this ceiling rises a dome of stretched threads and faded flowerets, which have fallen from the cluster. This is the watcher's coning tower. An opening, which is always free, gives access to this post. Here the spider remains on constant duty. She has thinned greatly since she laid her eggs, has almost lost her figure. At the least alarm, she sallies forth, waving a threatening limb at the passing stranger, and invites him, with a gesture, to keep his distance. Having put the intruder to flight, she quickly returns indoors. And what does she do in there, under her arc of withered flowers and silk? Night and day, she shields the precious eggs with her poor body spread out flat. Eating is neglected. No more lying in wait. No more bees drained to the last drop of blood. Motionless, wrapped in meditation, the spider is sitting on her eggs. The brooding hen does likewise, but she is also a heating apparatus, and with the gentle warmth of her body awakens the germs to life. For the spider, the heat of the sun is enough, and this alone keeps me from saying that she broods. For two or three weeks, the little spider, more and more wrinkled by lack of food, never relaxes her position. What is the withered thing waiting for before expiring? She is waiting for her children to emerge. The dying creature is still of use to them. When the banded spider's little ones come out from their balloon, they have long been orphans. There is none to come to their assistance, and they have not the strength to free themselves without help. The balloon has to split automatically, and to scatter the youngsters and their flossy mattress all mixed up together. The crab spider's wallet, sheathed in leaves over the greatest part of its surface, never bursts, nor does the lid rise, so carefully it is sealed down. Nevertheless, after the delivery of the brood, we see, at the edge of the lid, a small, gaping hole, an exit window. Who contrived this window, which was not there at first? The fabric is too thick and tough to have yielded to the twitches of the feeble little prisoners. It was the mother, therefore, who, feeling her offspring shuffle impatiently under the silken ceiling, herself made a hole in the bag. She persists in living for five or six weeks, despite her shattered health, so as to give a last helping hand and open the door for her family. After performing this duty, 
she gently lets herself die, hugging her nest and turning into a shriveled relic. The hen does not reach this height of unselfishness. The Young Crab Spiders It is in July that some little crab spiders that I have in my laboratory come out of their eggs. Knowing their acrobatic habits, I have placed a bundle of slender twigs at the top of the cage in which they were born. All of them pass through the wire gauze and form a group on the summit of the brushwood where they swiftly weave a roomy lounge of crisscross threads. Here they stay pretty quietly for a day or two. Then foot bridges begin to be flung from one object to the next. This is the fortunate moment. I put the bundle laden with beasties on a small table in the shade before the open window. Soon they begin to spin threads to carry them away, but slowly and unsteadily. They hesitate, go back, fall short at the end of a thread, climb up again. In short, much trouble for a poor result. As matters continue to drag, it occurs to me, at eleven o'clock, to take the bundle of brushwood swarming with little spiders, all eager to be off, and place it on the window sill in the glare of the sun. After a few minutes of heat and light, things move much faster. The little spiders run to the top of the twigs, bustle about actively. I cannot see them manufacturing their ropes or sending them floating at the mercy of the air, but I guess their presence. Three or four spiders start at a time, each going her own way. All are moving upwards. All are climbing some support. It can be told by the nimble motions of their legs. Moreover, you can see the thread behind them, where it is of double thickness. Then, at a certain height, individual movement ceases. The tiny animal soars in space and shines, lit up by the sun. Softly it sways, then suddenly takes flight. What happened? There is a slight breeze outside. The floating cable has snapped and the creature has gone off, borne on its parachute. I see it drifting away, showing like a spot of light, against the dark foliage of the near cypresses, some forty feet distant. It rises higher. It crosses over the cypress screen. It disappears. Others follow, some higher, some lower, hither and thither. But the throng has finished its preparations. The hour has come to disperse in swarms. We now see, from the crest of the brushwood, a continuous spray of starters, who shoot up like tiny rockets and mount in a spreading cluster. In the end, it is like the bouquet at the finish of a fireworks display. The sheaf of rockets fired all at once. The comparison is correct down to the dazzling light itself. Flaming in the sun like so many gleaming points, the little spiders are the sparks of that living fireworks. What a glorious send-off! What an entrance into the world! Sooner or later, nearer or farther, the fall comes. To live, we have to descend.
often very low, alas. The spiderling, therefore, touches land. The parachute tempers her fall. She is not hurt. The rest of her story escapes me. What infinitely tiny midges does she capture before possessing the strength to stab her bee? What are the methods? What the wiles of Adam contending with Adam? I know not. We shall find her again in spring, grown quite large and crouching among the flowers whence the bee takes toll. End of chapter 22 The Crab Spider